ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. My apologies for the lateness on this one. I'm not usually this bad. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday at 8.38 a.m. in Ghana. I'm back from Sao Tome in Principe. My vacation has come to an end. Happy to be home. Very much loved Sao Tome and Principe. Beautiful country, amazing history, physically gorgeous people. Sao Tome is populated with descendants from Cape Verde, Angola, and Mozambique. They were all colonies of Portugal at one point. The story of Sao Tome is the Portuguese showed up and they saw these islands. They decided they wanted to do sugarcane first and then later coffee and cocoa. And so they needed people to work the plantations. And they were like, oh, we have colonies in other places. Let's go, let's go kidnap and steal those people and, and move them here as forced labor. And they did that in, in some capacity for, for almost 500 years. Um, but the people are, are physically beautiful. Um, I didn't want to say this about my God when I was actually like working with him because I didn't want to, you know, feel like I was sexually harassing the man. My God was gorgeous. Juliano and dressed his ass off on top of that and had the nerve to have manners and good conversation. And I was like, bruh, if you ain't had no lady and you wasn't my God, I'm trusting you with my life as you drive me to remote parts of the rainforest. And we be out here in the wilderness together, just walking around, discovering shit. Because some stuff, I was like, ooh, can we stop here? And he was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, what is this? And he was like, uh, it's a hotel, but I ain't never been in it. Some shit was new for him. But he was gorgeous. And just driving around town, just like seeing the, um, the people, the population, walking up and down the street, going about their daily life, just physically beautiful people, the men and the women. As I told y'all before, I didn't sleep most of the time I was gone, I told y'all staying at that plantation was not on my high list of, of great ideas. I don't think I slept more than three, four hours per night the entire time I was there. But I'm very glad to be home. Sao Tome was my first visit to another country since I've been in Ghana, which I slept all day yesterday and somewhere around, I don't know, like five, six o'clock. It dawned on me that it was the 11th, which means it's my two month anniversary, Anna, even though it's a year still. But it's my two month, I don't know, celebration. I've been in Ghana two months. I arrived here on August 11th and, you know, yesterday was October 11th. And yes, I've been two months in Ghana and there's still so much to do. There's so many places that I haven't seen. I mean, cities I want to visit, but also just restaurants I want to go to and art galleries. Like I still haven't been to the National Museum. I'm trying to pack all that stuff in as soon as I can. Because you know how like if you live in a place, you just start taking it's monuments or even it's museums for granted. Like I grew up in D.C. and I've never been to the top of the Washington Monument. It's just not on my list of things to do. When I was in New York, I only went to Ellis Island to see the Statue of Liberty when people were in town. And I think after the second time I did it, I was like, so I can take you to Battery Park City and I'll put you on the boat and I'll go run my errands and then I'll come back. I'm not doing that shit again. Like I said, you take it for granted. So while I'm still feeling in the new phase of Ghana, which... I don't really feel new, to be quite honest, just because the number of times I've visited. I want to make sure like I see like all the historical things that tourists come to enjoy and that locals are kind of like, what? Where? Mm, I sure. OK, girl, I have a list that I'm supposed to be checking off, but I also just need to stay in Ghana for a bit in order to do that. Like I'm only here until Sunday and then I'm off to East Africa for a bit to do Tanzania, Zanzibar. 
and then run around Kenya. I have a few stops in Kenya, but one of them is Nairobi. I'm obsessed. I haven't been to Nairobi in, I want to say 2015. Last time I was in Kenya, I helped my friend meet his now wife. They're married with two kids living in a big ass mansion in Virginia. They got the cutest kids. Gary and Devon. Shout out to Gary and Devon. Cousin Gary. I made a good match with them. The nicest guy I've ever met, met and married my good, good friend, my sister, Davida. Davida's best friend, Devon, who is the nicest person Davida's ever met. They're just, they're really beautiful people and they just like created beautiful people. Like it's really a cute ass family. I digress. I'm very happy to be home. I'm also exhausted. I wanted to record the podcast yesterday. I had this great ambition. I had a whole list of things I was going to do when I get back to Ghana. And I was like, yeah, no, I basically just like laid in the bed and did nothing. Lots going on this week. Some of it good. Some of it not so good. I saw Lizzo was on the cover of Vanity Fair. She looks amazing in most of the pictures. Lizzo's been having, I don't know if Lizzo feels like she's having a hard time. One of my friends went to see her in concert and it was right after the, uh, the Kanye West interview where he, where he talked about her weight. And she said that she felt like Lizzo. She was like, I felt like she needed a hug. Like she just needed a little extra love. And I was like, oh, there was a point in time where Lizzo was doing outrageous shit to draw attention to herself. And then when people would respond with girl, what the fuck? I'm specifically thinking of when she went to the Lakers game with her ass hanging out. And then she would get on Instagram and cry. And I'm like, you did these things for attention. And then when you got attention, all of it wasn't positive. I feel like you knew that going in that people weren't going to praise it. Then you get upset and then you come cry on the internet about it. It was a thing that she used to do. But I feel like as of late, she's pretty much just been minding her business and doing, I don't know, making good business decisions, doing her proper work. And people have just been coming for her. Like it started for this most recent round with Aries Spears, who, you know, that like life quickly turned around for him. But he just gets in this interview and he starts dragging Lizzo and her weight for no reason. And he was like, oh, she's a pretty girl. But I think he said she looked like the shit emoji, which I was like, sir, you're heavy breathing through your fat for this whole interview. Like you got a lot of fucking nerve. And then folks went and found like before pictures of Aries Spears, he was a really nice looking gentleman at one point. He had some health issues and he's no longer very pleasing to the eye. And I, I say that description with, with kindness that he doesn't deserve. But I was like, yo, you understand that life happens because life happened to you. Like you've seen your before pictures. You used to be hot. Now you're not. You know shit could happen. You still get in front of a microphone and disparage this woman for no good reason. So that happened. And then there was the whole flute incident, which, which Lizzo was like, I just, I wanted to play the flute. Like I, I'm a flutist. And it was a famous flute. It was a crystal flute. And so I played it. I played it behind the scenes and then I played it on stage and I was happy to do it. And why is this such a problem? But people went into a, a fit, a rage. Like one week it was a black woman playing a fictional fish and the next week it was a black woman playing a crystal flute. People went off. I'm still very confused about what the flute actually represented to folks. The flute and a black woman playing it is a metaphor for something. It's, it's evoking visceral feelings in people. And I just, I can't pinpoint what that is. But folks went the fuck off over, over a flute. The Vanity Fair article was originally done in July. 
but the writers went back and added a piece about the flute, given the um, the national scandal that it was. And Lizzo had a really good take on it. Let me see if I can find it. Vanity Fair followed up with her to ask about her playing the flute. And Lizzo said, quote, when people look back at the crystal flute, they're going to see me playing it. They're going to see that it was owned by James Madison, but they're going to see how far we've had to come for someone like me to be playing it in the nation's capital. And I think that's a cool thing. I don't want to leave history in the hands of people who uphold oppression and racism. My job as someone who has a platform is to reshape history. I love Lizzo. She's also been catching it lately from Kanye West. We talked about this interview that he did on Tucker Carlson. He talked about 50 million things, but one of them was Lizzo's weight. He goes to say that like Lizzo's a friend of his. um, And then he says that Lizzo works out with a trainer that he knows really well. And then he talks about Lizzo losing 10 pounds. He disparages body positivity and was like, people want black people to be overweight or out of shape. They're praising being overweight, which he called... Did he call it demonic? Is it that serious? Like, is, is a fat woman that that offensive to you? Like, it rises to the level of, of demonic? People not hating a fat woman? Like, just being like, oh, okay, she's fat. And, you know, okay, whatever. It's that offensive to you? I, I understand the, what is that, the visceral reaction. I don't condone it. But this one, I understand where, where the emotion comes from. Women who don't conform to societal norms bear the brunt of men's and other women it's not just men but like nearly all men and then like half of women women who don't conform bear the brunt of their what's the word I want to use their hatred fear because it's not something logical But it's just like if you're watching Game of Thrones, which I think there's probably a a metaphor for everything in in a Game of Thrones scene or character. But there's the current queen on Game of Thrones was forced to marry a much older man and bear his children. And in exchange for the title of queen, there are certain duties that she has to fulfill. And of course, no 15, 19, early 20s, whatever, your old woman wants to marry some old man in like at the time, I guess, like his 50s or 60s. And there's another woman on the show who's the future queen. And she's like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not playing by these rules. Like, I'm the future queen. Why I got to do this bullshit? I'm going to do what I want to do, live how I want to live, be how I want to be. And everyone will just have to fucking deal. And on top of that, my father will look out for me. The woman who made all the sacrifices hates the woman who bucks the system because she's like, I did all this. I had to do this. I didn't have any choices. And how dare you walk around wild and free and not giving a fuck when, when I had to sacrifice, when I had to do these things I didn't want to do. And I feel like that's the reaction that a lot of people have towards, you know, free women, women who appear not to give a fuck, women who will not stuff themselves inside of boxes, women who will not starve to me, a beauty aesthetic. Lizzo will be the first to tell you, I'm fat and what? Do you see my face card? It never declines. Also, do you see my body? Because a lot of y'all mofos be like, no, I don't like it and it needs to change and it's this and it's that and all these negative things. But she's also like, my DMs are never dry. She also talked about her man in Vanity Fair. She was like, yeah, he's been around for a while. 
I'm not the one that told you about him. I don't need to tell you I have a man in order to feel valid. But yes, he there's a man. He exists. He makes me happy. Some folks called a picture of us on an iPhone walking down the street. They posted that shit. I didn't. I don't. I don't need y'all to validate my love life. Oh, oh, oh. But people have just been piling onto Lizzo as of late to the point that I feel bad about her. And it's just like it's one thing when you go out and invite the attention. But she's just like, yeah, like I just dropped an album earlier this year. I think it was in July. I still haven't heard that album till I read this Vanity Fair piece. I was like, Lizzo has an album? I had no clue. I knew she was on tour. I just thought she was on tour because everybody's on tour because you couldn't go on tour for a few years because the world was closed. Like outside is open. I just thought she was on tour. But it turns out she actually dropped an album that I need to go listen to. But she's been catching it really, really bad as of late. I'm glad that she has a, a recent Emmy and now the cover of Vanity Fair to cry into. She can catch her tears in her Emmy. She can wipe her face with the cover of Vanity Fair. I mean, she is that chick right now. For all the bullshit she's dealing with, I'm glad that there's another side of it that she's being celebrated and highlighted. Can you imagine dealing with the bullshit she has for the last six weeks and ain't no highlights? I'd be curled up in a ball somewhere. She may not give a fuck, though. But it's a really good article. If you haven't had a chance to give it a read, you absolutely should. She talks about an array of subjects, everything from abortion to to Prince to the death of her father. There's there's a lot. She also talks about I didn't even know this is a criticism of Lizzo. There is a great chunk of the article dedicated to the idea that Lizzo makes music for white people, which I was really like, is that a thing? Lizzo's music is not considered black enough. Like, really? But she says that being accused of making music for a white audience, she says, quote, that is probably the biggest criticism I've received. And it's such a critical conversation when it comes to black artists. When black people see a lot of white people in the audience, they think, well, this isn't for me. This is for them. The thing is, when a black artist reaches a certain level of popularity, it's going to be a predominantly white crowd. This has happened to so many black artists, Diana Ross, Whitney, Beyonce, rap artists. Now, those audiences are overwhelmingly white. I am not making music for white people. I am a black woman. I am making music for my black experience for me to heal myself from the experience we call life. If I can help other people, hell yeah, because we are the most marginalized and neglected people in the country. We need self-love and self-love anthems more than anybody. So I am making music for that girl right there who looks like me, who grew up in a city where she was underappreciated and picked on and made to feel unbeautiful. It blows my mind when people say I'm not making music from a black perspective. How could I not do that as a black artist? Also, there's a significant portion of this article that talks about her weight, which I really don't like to discuss. I'm only going to discuss it because it comes up in this article. Anytime people see, especially a black woman, and I specifically point out the black woman because this is not something that comes up for men. There's a viral tweet that's going around. I've seen it in multiple places, but it's a woman, a black woman who's pointing out people make a big deal about Lizzo's weight. But she was like, I never heard people talk about, say, Biggie or, or Big Pun or 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 Rick Ross. There wasn't a national conversation about the health of any of these men. And I would add to that Fat Joe. The man put, went and put fat in the title of his stage name. Like, I know Fat Joe has lost significant amount of weight since his heaviest, but Fat Joe is still like a, a big boy. But nobody sits around and talks about like Fat Joe's weight and questions his health and does he have diabetes and, and high blood pressure and he's going to die soon. Like nobody ever says that about Fat Joe. 
I remember Rick Ross and, and all of his, his gut, his tattooed gut, was on the cover of Vibe's Sexiest Issue. One of the covers was Amber Rose. The other one, or another one, I think it was more than just them two, but another one was Rick Ross. Rick Ross with all that big gut and like double D titties, shirtless, was the cover of the sexy issue. I was like, why is it Rick Ross and his big old tummy gets to be sexy, but Lizzo is is the face of, of bad health? I've never been to a Lizzo concert. I've just seen her perform at award shows and seen YouTube clips. Ma'am and Madame is giving you a good 90 minutes of workout nonstop every show, minimum. I watched a couple episodes of her show because my friend was a producer on it. Lizzo was looking for big girls as her backup dancers. Them chicks had to dance continuously for 90 minutes. They wasn't in bad shape. They might be big, but they wasn't unhealthy. Unhealthy people can't do 90 minutes of cardio straight. And that's what Lizzo does. Lizzo also wants you to know that she's a vegan. All these people concerned about her weight and what she puts in her mouth. She was like, yeah, it's all plant-based, just FYI. Thanks not for all your concern. In Vanity Fair, she says, it sucks that we associate weight gain with the negative thing that causes it. It's mixing this beautiful thing that's food and nourishing ourselves with it. But it's the stress that's the bad thing, not the 20 pounds. I feel very lucky because I don't feel that weight gain is bad anymore, nor is weight loss. It's neutral and food is fun. I love eating and I have a chef now and I'm not thinking about it. I had a brownie last night. Good for her. I think Lizzo is a national treasure. Sometimes she shows her ass a little too much for me. I used to follow her on Instagram. I got tired of seeing her ass every day, so I had to unfollow. But I also said that with respect that, you know, it's your Instagram and it's your ass. And if you want to shake it and show it, then that's what you should do. I just went ahead and unfollowed. But I still love Lizzo. I want folks to be a little bit nicer to her, though. Because I feel like she's just really out here trying to make her art and be silly and be happy and and spread positive messages. And she's just been the center of like several national debates back to back to back. And it's just like you never set out for that as an artist. Like I think people think that, oh, because you're famous, you should expect certain things like to us. She's famous. Her walking around in her own skin unless she's a complete asshole. Doesn't walk around all day thinking that like, oh, I'm famous. Oh, I'm a celebrity. For, but there to be a national conversation, the body, your physical body that inhabits your your you, like the body is just the physical, but your you, your essence is what is, is your your mind, your insight, your aura, your energy, all of those things. But for your body to cause not just one, but three national conversations in, in a couple of, in a few weeks, it's a lot. It's a lot for somebody to deal with. It's a lot. She seems good. She sounds fine. She sounds like she's dealing well. I hope that that's the case because I want nothing but good and grand things for dear Lizzo. Speaking of cover stars, speaking of cover stars, Jonathan Major, a.k.a. Tick from Lovecraft Country, which I'm still mad HBO canceled because that was a good ass show that I was completely addicted to. I really did want that second season. But I think that's when I was first introduced to Jonathan Majors. He's a hell of an actor. He had a couple nude scenes in that show. I know I screenshot one of them when he was like butt naked. I don't remember what he was looking at. I think it was the first episode. Something happened. All his clothes went away. He was just standing there, finely formed and beautifully chiseled. And I was like, oh, okay. He's on the new cover of Men's Health. He has a couple big projects coming out. One of them is Creed Three. I love Michael B. Jordan as Apollo Creed's son, Adonis. 
in, in the Creed franchise. I root for him. I really do. But I was like, bruh. And he's a big boy. Like, he bulks up for that role. But I'm like, bruh, do you, do you see what Jonathan Majors just transformed his body into? I don't know if you could beat that. I know people say that, that boxing is a sweet science and it's mind over matter and it's not just the physicality. Sure, okay. I don't know if Adonis Donnie, I don't know if he could take on what Jonathan Majors is bringing to the table in Creed. Like, he is massive. He's also in an upcoming Marvel series as Kang the Conqueror. Kang, K-A-N-G. Not, not Martin Luther the King, Martin Luther the Kang. Kang the Conqueror, or who he's playing in this new Marvel film. And I was like, I don't know nothing really about Marvel. I know the Black Panther. I ain't watched nothing else Marvel other than the Black Panther. Everything else I watched, I love superheroes and sci-fi and all that other stuff. Like, I watched The Boys. Like, I'm a devotee of The Boys on Amazon. I was much more of an X-Men person than a Marvel person until the Black Panther. And I was like, wherever the black people show up, then that's where I'll be. Is Kane the Conqueror there? I got some things he could... Co- oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. He's also got another movie. I actually read the Men's Health article. Usually I wouldn't. That's not the, the fair that I, I tend to enjoy most. But my friend Clover Hope, I've known her for a good 15, 20 years at this point. But Clover Hope wrote the cover story. And Clover's just a really amazing writer. She can make anything sound engaging, including a man's fitness. So I read the article... Jonathan Majors also has another film coming out called Magazine Dreams. And then there's another film called Devotion. If you've not kept count, I've just read off to you four different projects that this man is working on at once. I was like, sir, you better keep a job. You better look like you do and keep a job. I wrote a little piece on him. Just not even anything special on Instagram yesterday. I was talking about his beautiful Michael Jackson nostrils nose. I think it's it's aesthetically pleasing, but it also has very good physical uses for happy times between consenting adults. If you can read between the lines there, people were had the weirdest reactions to to me liking this man's nose. Like a lot of people understood exactly what I meant about the way that that nose can be put to great use. Other people absolutely just enjoyed the aesthetics of it all of a wide nose on a black man. But other people were just very there was like a visceral reaction to celebrating a black ass feature on a black man or even to just celebrating like a black man who's not. And I say this with all due respect to Michael M.F. Ely, right? He's a light skinned black man with with brownish hair and, and gray blue eyes. But his complexion and his eye color and his hair color, there's a bit of colorism, I think, at play there and while and why people find him genuinely more attractive than some other actors in Hollywood who may have a deeper melanin or who may have darker eyes or darker hair. Hear me trying to choose my words carefully. More quote and unquote traditional black features. I know we come in a range of shades and colors, complexions and 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 features as well, but there's a, a traditional sort of, of look of a black person and Jonathan Majors embodies it. And I find it beautiful and and stunningly attractive. In, in equal ways to the way that I'm attracted to Michael Ely. I'm not partial to a particular complexion or set of features or shape. I just, I like what looks good. And, and Michael Ely and Jonathan Majors, and let's throw in Morris Chestnut and Idris Elba in there just for like good measure. I'm attracted to attractive people. Jonathan Majors hits it at a 10 for me. The, the wide nose, the eyes, the lips, the body, the body, the body. But he's just all around, just like a full package to me. 
the interesting thing was, I mean, I expect that there are black women who don't find him attractive and, you know, and it, it doesn't even have to be like, quote unquote, a racist thing or a self-hate thing. Like different people like different things. You can very much love black men and love wide noses and, and still be like, mm, Jonathan Majors doesn't do it for me. That's fine. The way men reacted to women appreciating John Majors and not just for his body, but also to be like, I like his wide nose and his full lips and his black ass features. Men actually had a meltdown about women supporting, enjoying, lusting for a black man with, again, quote unquote, traditional black ass features. And I was like, what? What? You know, just like I asked about the reaction to Lizzo. What, what is the what is the, the the emotion there? I swear I never should have done that interview with Esther. And Esther's my boo. Her book just came out yesterday. Congratulations, Esther, on the release of your book, Emotional Justice. If you didn't listen to that podcast episode, it's a must listen. It sounds kind of deep on the surface, but the way it impacts our everyday lives, the shit gets real. But one of the things that Esther and I talked about was the emotion behind people's reaction like okay something happens and you have this visceral reaction to that we need to analyze the emotion that you're having in order to progress to progress forgiveness moving through not over around underneath whatever but through whatever is happening um so I just think all the time when people have very visceral reactions to things I'm like what is the emotion that you're experiencing that is leading you to have this reaction especially when it's negative but I wondered that like greatly when I was reading men's responses to Jonathan Majors. I was like, so you mad that women like average looking dudes? Like and that, and not that we just like it, but like that we like it, we lust for it, like we wanna like sit on their face. Like we wanna we wanna date you, we wanna build a life with you, we wanna do you in in, in nasty, filthy ways. What exactly is the problem that women like dudes who look like you? When I fawn over Michael Ely, people don't have that reaction. Like, oh, that nigga's not all that. Like, everybody kind of agrees. But I was like, most of y'all don't look like Michael Ely. It's a very unique phenotype. I mean, outside of D.C. Like, you could find a... And, and I love Michael Ely. I think Michael Ely is wonderful and exceptionally attractive. I think he's a really nice person. I, I really adore him and like him as a person in real life. That said... If you walk around D.C., you see a Michael Ely like every 10 minutes. It's a lot of light-skinned dudes with, with gray and blue eyes walking around D.C. It just it's, it's D.C. There's also a lot of Jonathan Majors walking around. A lot more of men who fit that phenotype than there are of Michael Ely's. I would have thought that men would have been like, oh, shit, like women like my big ass nose. They like my full ass lips. Like, oh, that's that's working for y'all. Are we back in style? I would think like like dark skinned men in the 90s. Like, oh, we on. We on now. It's our time to shine. I would have thought that would have been a reaction. Not so much. But the article is worth a read. As I said, my friend Clover Hope wrote it. It's a really smart, good article. He has 5% body fat. I was like, I had no clue what 5% body fat looked like. But I was like, of this, whatever this is, I like it. I like it lots. He put on 10 pounds for a rolling creed. And then there's the other, the, the one, the magazine, something or another. I just mentioned the title previously. He put on another six pounds for that. Like, but it's an extra 15 pounds of muscle. I was like, I see, I see every inch, every inch, every centimeter, every pound, every gram, kilogram, whatever it is, however you like to be measured, sir. I see everything that you've added and I like all of it in abundance. Everything, all of it. I saw the men started hating. They were like, he he don't really be, he be skipping leg day. I was like, in what world? In what world? They were like, his legs look small. Sir, stop. 
straight men, you're not even attracted to men trying to tell women what they should be attracted to. Stop. Stop. I also saw folks talking about like he has a white girlfriend or a baby with a white lady. I, I don't care. To my knowledge, I've never heard him say anything disparaging about black women. He wants to date a white woman. He wants to reproduce with a white woman. He's raising a black daughter. I I don't care. As long as you don't disparage me or or black women or women who look like me, black women, in order to justify whatever it is you want to go ahead and do with your life, I I don't care. I saw Jada Pinkett Smith is is writing a book. It's a memoir. I saw it when I was scrolling on Facebook. I saw Essence had a little piece about it. And I was like, oh, Jada. I believe it'll be a bestseller. I do believe people will buy it. I think she has a she has an amazing platform with Red Table Talk. So she'll have a place to promote her book. I'm sure she'll do the talk show rounds and, and the magazine rounds. She hasn't really been talking that much lately. But she'll do all the rounds with the, with the big shows. And, and she'll give really great quote. And the book will be a bestseller, no doubt. And still... And still, I don't know if this is a good idea, sis. People just don't like Jada Pinkett Smith right now. Like people really like Will Smith and they think that Jada cheated on him. Even though Will came out and said like we had an open relationship for years and Jada and Will got on the red table and was like, yeah, we were separated at the time. And Will was like, yeah, I was done with you. Like I thought everything was over. So you went and did what you did. Ain't got shit to do with me. People still just won't accept that, that Jada is not like some mastermind who's plotting to ruin Will Smith. That said, she's got this book coming out. It's coming out in 2023. It doesn't have a title yet. It's coming out under HarperCollins. And it's described in People Magazine as, quote, Jada Pinkett Smith chronicles lessons learned in the course of a difficult but riveting journey. A roller coaster ride from the depths of suicidal depression to the heights of personal rediscovery and the celebration of authentic feminine power. That sounds like a lot of big words that just talk about somebody lived. It continues, quote, with no holds barred, Jada reveals her unconventional upbringing in Baltimore from the child of two addicts to a promising theater student and a violent interlude as a petty drug dealer. Wait, are they saying Jada sold drugs? She says, followed by a parallel rise to stardom alongside her close friend, Tupac. I knew he was going to show up in this book. Lord, then falling in love with and marrying Will Smith and a joyous embrace of motherhood. In crisis at age 40, Jada recounts the excruciating choices she was forced to make to redefine her life in every way. It actually sounds riveting. I also am like, and I never wanted to silence another black woman's voice. I want to be very clear about that. If she feels she has something to say, then yes, I think that she should say it. I don't have the same visceral reaction to Jada Pinkett Smith that I think a lot of people, men and women, do. I don't think that she is conniving or evil or trying to ruin Will Smith. I think she just doesn't behave in a way that is quote and unquote typical that people uh, generally expect of a wife, that she's always publicly praising her husband. She acts like he has no flaws. They are to act like their marriage is perfect. They are to act like they are grateful to be with this, this wealthy, attractive man who dotes on them. She treats Will like a mere mortal. I think that's probably her, her biggest perceived flaw. My biggest concern with her is not necessarily that she quote and unquote cheated on Will. It was the age and, and mindset and temperament of the person she did it with. 
the ethics don't work out for me on that. But her have with them having an open relationship and, and Jada having sex with other people is part of what an open relationship is. I'm sure Will has has done his own things. It's just his his women didn't decide to go do interviews and dime all that shit out. Sometimes I have to remind people, you know, Jada's not the one that told us about August. Like August told us about his relationship with Jada, which was his right to do because they had a relationship together. But August is the one that put that out there, not Jada. But I also feel like Jada shares like so much on the Red Table Talk. And we just know so many of the ups and downs of the Smith family. And I'm just like, there's more. There's more. More. Like, how much drama have you lived, lady? Is that healthy? Is it good? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's not healthy. Maybe it's not good. Maybe it's just a bunch of good stories. Good stories, great stories, well-told stories often makes for a um, turbulent, never a dull moment life, but a turbulent life. Ask me how I know. Um, But I was like, there's more. There's more to tell more. And she's giving people the very thing that that she's largely criticized for, like the people's largest complaint about Jada Pinkett Smith. I mean, other than them thinking she cheated on Will, is that she talks too fucking much. And then here she is, you know, doing it again. I guess she wants to share her story. And so Will. Will and she will. So, I mean, Will wrote a whole biography. A lot of it didn't have anything to do with Jada. He didn't get to her until the end. He was very respectful of her when he did speak about her. This is what the vice president and editorial director of Jada's, of the of the publisher of Jada's, of where Jada's book is being published. This is what she had to say. She said, quote, the world has imposed many labels and narratives on Jada Pinkett Smith. This is down to the realities of our media landscape, but also the roles thrust upon women by culture. At the center of all this speculation and false stories is a woman who, like so many women, has had to reconcile her personhood with the needs of those she loves. This memoir is Jada giving the world her truth, taking readers on a journey from the lost girl to a woman warrior. It is my great honor to take that journey with her. Just, I mean, just, I hope she knows. I hope she's well aware that she's going to be largely scandalized by this book. Um, But it's also going to be a bestseller. Everybody's going to be like, why is she running her mouth? Why is she talking? She's always talking. She always has this shit to say. But everybody and their mama going to read that book. So... Good for Jada, because she really could just go climb into a hidey hole and never speak again. She and Will have enough money that they can live their lives lavishly and never have to be bothered with any of us ever again. They could totally put themselves in a bubble that exists outside of social media and live their best lives. And so could their children and grandchildren. They choose not to do that. They choose to engage with us. I don't know. I think if I had Will level money, I probably would say fuck all y'all a long time ago. I would I bounce around Africa. I turn off my Instagram and just go. If y'all treated me the way y'all do Will and Jada, folks do much less. And I seriously debate closing my Instagram and ending my podcast and just, I don't know, living off the land or some shit. But I'm a cancer. We got a lot of feelings and shit. What else is going on? Kanye West is still on his Kanye shit. This time he's been banned from, is it Twitter and Instagram? He was posting, and this happened before the last time we spoke. I just was, it was just a long segment on Kanye. And I was like, I'm sick of talking about this dude. Puff had reached out to him, Diddy, had reached out to him, not even I guess, it happened because Kanye screenshotted it, but Diddy reached out to him and was like, basically, hey, black man, we need to speak because like the things that you're saying, this white lives matter shit, you're doing too much. And like, let's have a conversation. And Kanye was like, no, the Jews have sent you to discredit me. 
I told y'all, I think he's, I think he's in a, a, a the middle of a, a severe mental health crisis. So I, I temper my commentary on him. I try to just report on what he's, on what's occurring as opposed to, you know, dragging the fuck out of him, which I, I really kind of want to do. My friend has a theory that he's doing all this shit to get out of the deal with Adidas. I guess whatever it is with Adidas, he's locked in until I want to say 2026. But it's some sort of ironclad deal where if he backs out, he loses a ton of money. But if Adidas, but if Adidas drops him, then then he doesn't lose anything. So his theory is he's doing all this crazy shit to get Adidas to let him go so he can go do his own thing. And I was like, when you put it like that, someday I'll tell you how I got out of my Bravo contract. But they wouldn't let me go when I wanted to leave. I had to say some crazy shit on Huffington Post about Andy Cohen to get them to drop me and then cancel the show. My bad to my castmates, but I wasn't doing that shit again. When you put it in context like that, I was like, yeah, it gets to a point where you're willing to do crazy shit to get away from people. I feel like saying white lives matter is kind of going the extra mile. Anti- anti-Semitic rants is doing a lot. I'm not saying I agree. I'm not saying I condone. I'm saying there's, I'm not saying I fully understand. I'm saying I understand how you get to the point where you start doing crazy shit because you feel like you're trapped. I'm also saying this just to give you context. I'm saying this to somebody who just like walked out their apartment one day and left everything behind. I took my books, my clothes, and my art. I'd left all my furniture. I took the TVs and I took the bed frame on GP. I took a chair I really loved. I took an armoire that was irreplaceable that still sit in my parents' basement. That, I love that thing. I'm one of those people that understands when you reach the point of fuck it and you just want out. You want out by any means necessary because you feel trapped. I can identify with that feeling. I would like to think that I would not cross certain lines in order to get freedom. Because when you, when you frame it as I want freedom, it, it takes on a different set of morality and ethics. I would like to think if, if what's motivating Kanye right now is trying to get out of this Adidas contract, I like to think that I would not go that far. But when you get it in your head that it's your freedom on the line, you start doing crazy shit. I believe that at that. If I ever write a book, I'll talk about it more in the book. I do think it's important to note Kanye, despite his seeming meltdown, is a little bit of everywhere right now. I saw that he had taped a... a segment for the shop that's lebron show lebron was not present for the taping but maverick carter he's the spring hill company ceo he's like lebron's right hand man but he gave a quote he said uh the shop episode featuring kanye west will not air he says quote yesterday we taped the episode of the shop with kanye west kanye was booked weeks ago and after talking to kanye directly the day before we taped I believed he was capable of a respectful discussion and he was ready to address all his recent comments. Unfortunately, he used the shop to reiterate more hate speech and extremely dangerous stereotypes. We have made the decision not to air this episode or any of Kanye's remarks. While the shop embraces thoughtful discourse and differing opinions, we have zero tolerance for hate speech of any kind and will never allow our channels to be used to promote hate. I take full responsibility for believing Kanye wanted a different conversation and apologize to our guests and crew. Hate speech should never have an audience. It says sources close to production say West doubled down on his recent anti-Semitic remarks 
It also notes that the, the, the pulled episode of The Shop is just another incident in a string of bizarre media moments for West in the last week. They talk about the White Lives Matter. They talk about Tucker Carlson and the crazy shit he said then. They talked about him tweeting. They talked about his Instagram conversation where he, he uh, screenshotted Diddy's text. They talked about his tweet where he said he was going to go, quote, Death Con 3 on Jewish people. And they also talked about a website, Motherboard. They said they obtained unaired footage from West's interview with Tucker Carlson. They said the unedited clips show West continuing to make anti-Semitic remarks. I feel like there is some credence to the idea, the conspiracy theory, that Kanye West is doing all this because he wants out of this Adidas contract and he doesn't want to pay a penalty for pulling out. I think also he could be having a mental health crisis. I think both things can be true. I am bothered by the the number of media platforms that are willing to engage him for interviews and to allow themselves to be used, not utilized, but used as mouthpieces for whatever's going on with Kanye right now. Without being a medical professional, just being a human that exists among other humans in society and having a basic understanding of our baseline for what's acceptable and what's not, what looks sane and what looks insane. It's clear to me that Kanye West is not okay. And we've seen this before. We've seen people spinning out before. We watched it happen with Britney. We watched it happen with, uh, with Amy Winehouse. We watched it happen with Mariah. We watched it happen with Martin Lawrence. Like we've seen people spiral before and we're watching it happen in real time. And everyone just seems to be watching, engaging, and worse, platforming Kanye as he's going through one of the worst episodes that we've seen from him publicly so far. I respect the shop for choosing not to air the interview because of, of whatever he said. They, they feel like it's, a, it's too much. He went too far. But did you not know that when you booked it weeks ago? Because weeks ago, he was still in the throes of publicly attacking his ex-wife. The very small shift that people have seen in the last couple weeks is one, the anti-Semitic comments. Nobody wants to be associated with someone who's anti-Semitic. That will sink your battleship and entertainment faster than anything else. Racist, especially towards black people or Latinos, Muslims, people will tolerate that. Towards the Jews? No. Also, also, I think black people in general, when he was attacking his ex-wife, when he was sounding like a madman who was going to go to the house and do God knows what to, those, to that woman and possibly those children. Because he sounded that crazy, that whole like, I'm going to say crazy shit about you constantly every day. I'm going to post our conversations on Instagram. Even when I see you begging me as the mother of your children to stop this shit, I'm going to involve the world in every decision that, of yours that I don't like. From everywhere, from where the children have their birthday parties to what school they attend, as if the public can do anything. You just know that this woman makes her money off social media and so you want to disparage her. We can't help you. We can't make her invite you to a birthday party. We can't make her give you more custody time with the kids. And given your actions, I completely understand why she wouldn't. You don't seem safe right now. 
But all that time that he was going after Kim, no one cared. Until he started saying shit about Virgil, that's when black people, black men especially, were like, yo, you doing too much. I think Kanye underestimated how much people respected Virgil and liked him. Because until he said those comments about Virgil, nobody really checked him. And then all of a sudden he did, and now everyone's like, all of a sudden he did, and now there's this backlash. Again, I think Kanye's in the throes of, of a mental health crisis. I, he didn't piece that one together very well. I think he's getting more backlash than he even expected. Some people would go into a hidey hole. Um, those might be people who are not in the, the throes of a mental health crisis. He, he is in one. I want to talk about the L.A. City Council. I saw the story. I don't even care what her name is. There's like four council members, Democrats, got together and they were talking about, you know, like the future of politics in L.A. One of the women, she disparaged one of the guys. Somebody brought up his name and was like, oh, we could we could support him. And she was like, oh, he's with the blacks. Is there something wrong with being with the blacks? She called somebody's child the equivalent. I don't remember the exact term it was. In Spanish, I would I would mispronounce it anyway. But she called the the she called the man's child. I think he's a gay man. He adopted a child. He treats the child like it's an accessory, and she called the child a little monkey. Ma'am, the child was like two years old at the time. I don't know how the L.A. Times got a hold of this this um this audio. Apparently, it's not that recent because in the articles I was reading, they kept saying the child was two at the time. So I guess like maybe like a year at least has passed. Since this happened, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. They would come out now. I was like, is, is, are, are there elections in L.A. next month as well? She stepped down from the city council. At first, she released some statements saying that she regretted, you know, what she said. Unfortunate, out of context, and all that shit that people say when they're trying to apologize without actually apologizing. Um, and then she eventually stepped down because the backlash was so great. The other people, I think it was three, I think it was three other people in the room, which I was like, y'all need to step down, too. Like, I understand y'all didn't say anything that was blatantly racist, like you didn't call a black child a monkey. Sat there and heard someone say these comments in a work setting, no less. Like, there's some shit I let pass casually. Black people can say some real wild shit, too. I, have, I make a distinction, this, the shit you say in your private life versus the things that you say in your, in your professional life. If, if people were saying racist shit to me, like, in my professional space, I'd be like, ooh, 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 that's, ooh, that's racist. And I've had to say it before. Now I let people talk about white folks a little more freely because of the power imbalance, because of white supremacy. Sometimes folks just need to get things off their chest. But in a professional setting, you can't be calling somebody's child a damn monkey in a work setting, even if it's casual. Like y'all are all friends and all there gathered together because you're talking about politics, which is your jobs. Come on. Also, I wonder who recorded the shit. Who recorded that? Who leaked it? But also who recorded it? It might not be one and the same. But I've seen a lot of people talking about this L.A. City Council. They're like, I can't believe, you know, a Latino woman would say these things. And I'd be like, why can't you? L.A. was racist as shit. This is not the first time I said it. It's not the fifth time I said it. I spoke so many times about the racism I experienced in L.A. It was worse than living in Maryland. It was worse than living in New York. I've never experienced anything like it. Like it was racist as shit blatantly and not just from white folks my most racist incidents in LA were from the Asian woman at the desk at my building who assumed I was on section eight even though I was moving to the most expensive apartment in the building and then I don't know what he was he was darker than me he wasn't Latino 
I would say probably Southeast Asian, who who I was standing there with a big ass Louis Vuitton bag, four inch stiletto heels, and a little fur jacket. Standing outside this very fancy restaurant, Avra in Beverly Hills, and dude stuck his face out of the, you know, they put like the rain cover down because it was raining. But I was standing under the umbrella at the valet waiting for the actual valet to come get my car. And I'm like, you know, dressed to the nines because I was going out with my friend in Beverly Hills. And he thought I was the fucking valet in fucking stilettos. All he saw was black. That's it. It just assumed I was the valet. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just assume I'm a customer waiting for my car under the umbrella, given my big ass bag and my four inch heels? Like shit like that. But L.A. is just so goddamn casually racist. Unsurprised. People were like, oh my God, LA is this liberal bastion and these were Democrats and they were talking about black people this way. Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. Unsurprised. Is there anything else that's worth really going into? I'll talk about Brittany Griner next week. Um, she is still locked up in Russia. We haven't talked about Brittany Griner in a while. She was very much a big news story and then just sort of the story went away. People got distracted with other things. But her wife just did a really big interview and was like, hey, hey, she's still over there. Just FYI. And she's losing hope. She's not doing good. So all you people that said you cared, like still care because she's still not home. Thanks. Care. Care. Please care. We'll talk about that next week. It's a bunch of divorces. I have on my list of things to talk about. There's really not much to say, to be quite honest. Tia of Tia and Tamara. She's been married for 14 years. I've never bothered to learn her husband's name. Um, he's always been Tia's husband to me. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just like I just I never really paid attention to him. He's on. Um, what's that show? It is one of my favorite shows. All American. He's on the spinoff at the HBCU. He's a coach. He's a baseball coach on the show. He's all right. I know nothing about that man. I saw a lot of people talking about the episode they did of Black Love. Never watched it. I, I don't know. They seem to keep most of their business off the internet. I never heard any scandal, so I just figured everything was fine. Turns out everything is not fine. Tia filed for divorce. I'm going to say the same thing I say about everybody else. I wish them the best. Marriage is hard. And that's really all I have to say about that. Like, literally, I wish them both the best. They have kids together. I hope they can figure out a way to successfully co-parent. I don't want to see them back and forth in the goddamn news for five years. Jesse, Aaron, I'm, I'm talking about you. I don't want to hear about whatever's going on in their life. Take that shit to the courts. If, if, if y'all can't work it out privately between y'all, it's a discussion, your co-parenting situation, division of assets, whatever's going on. If, if y'all can't work it out between the two of y'all in, in a respectful conversation, go to the courts. Don't add us to the group chat. I don't, I don't want to know the ins and outs of whatever your custody agreement is or, or your division of assets. I don't want to know none of that shit. Just that, that ain't my business. Keep us out the group chat. That's all I ask. I saw earlier today, I've seen in the last couple of days, people have been talking about Cynthia from um, Real Housewives and Mike Hill. Apparently, they have been separated for a few months and are filing for divorce, if not have already filed. I guess it's been about two years. They would have just celebrated their two-year anniversary of their marriage. Things aren't working out, and so they're going their separate ways. Look, look, if shit ain't working, leave. You know when there's like things that can be worked on versus there's there's nothing that can be done here. Some folks will just stick it out for appearances and be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, be like a, you know, a grand opening, grand closing. If the shit ain't working, ain't no sense in just sitting up in misery for a long period of time just to say you sat in it. Because you go tell people like, oh, you know, I knew it wasn't going to work after year two, but I stayed until year 10. People be like, why? 
You be sitting up here trying to put up appearances so it doesn't look like you just made a bad decision getting married to somebody you had no business marrying. Nobody who cares about you wants you to be unhappy. If you sitting up in some shit that you know not that's not working, cut the cord. Cut the cord. Either figure out how to make the shit work. And I mean, both of y'all have to be dedicated to doing that and making real and significant changes so the shit could work. But if nobody's willing to do that shit, cut the cord and go find your happy. Maybe that's with somebody else. If so, great. Maybe that's with nobody else. That's just you, yourself, and you. That's great too. Equally as great. I make no judgment about being partnered or being unpartnered. There are significant pros and cons to both. I'm going to say the same thing about Tia and the husband that I'm about to say about Cynthia and Mike Hill. I wish them the best. They gave it a good try. It didn't work out. They wanted to be together. They thought they could make it. It, it wasn't the right decision. Okay. It happens. We're humans. We're flawed. We make bad decisions sometimes. I would love to see folks get married and live happily ever after with a whole lot of work and a whole lot of conversation and a whole lot of money. I would, I would like that for everyone. But if, if you can't be happy, go find happy. Life is short. I know too many older women that were not the most pleasant people when their husbands were alive. The man died after, after 40, 50 years of marriage. And all of a sudden, you see a whole new disposition. People didn't like to travel. You find out they want to see some world. People you thought had a sour disposition, full of joy and wonderment, a pleasure to be around. Goodwill and good spirits brightens the room whenever they enter. Wasn't acting like that the whole time they was married. The husband was sucking the goddamn life out of them. I've seen it too many times. Don't be that woman. Sitting up with somebody for years and years and years just to be like, oh, it's, it's 30 years, it's 40 years, it's 50 years. How many of them were you happy? I understand shit happens. Like there's ups and downs. Like there's good years and bad years, which kind of sounds crazy to me, but that's, it's a function of marriage. Like everything ain't always going to be like peaches and cream. Sometimes the shit just going to be work and that just is what it is. I understand that. I respect that. I respect people who can endure that and get to the other side of it. But getting to the other side of it is the important part. Don't just be sitting up in misery, just sitting up in misery. I mean, just be, be working at least trying to get out of fucking being miserable. But if you can't, go your separate ways. All right. That's the episode for today. My apologies again that it's so late. I, I just needed some sleep yesterday. But I'm back in business, so we should be good for Friday. Um, and we'll talk then.